0: I come from a family of six – three boys, three girls, and only nine years between the eldest and the youngest. Now if you're going to have six kids, all under the age of nine, you need to be organized. Thankfully, Mammy Bliss is indeed organized. In fact, she's so organized that she even gave birth to us with the kind of military precision that would impress Kim (laughs) Jong-un. We arrived in order, boy-girl, boy-girl, boy-girl. Mammy Bliss thinks North Korean military parades are sloppy. (laughs) I was number five between my sisters, four and six. For organisational purposes, my mother would regularly divide us six into two groups of three, the evil ones and the good ones. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, The older ones and the younger ones. Now, much to the chagrin of myself and my sisters, four and six, we were known as the babes. We were always lumped in together where, as far as we could see, we always got the short end of the stick. We had an earlier bedtime, weren't allowed to stay up to watch M.A.S.H. on the telly, and generally not allowed to do the things that the older three were allowed to do. Life, we three babes concluded, wasn't fair. An observation that was irrefutable and undeniable at mealtimes. Like I'm sure all families, we each had our own place where we always sat. And we three babes were sat together along one side on a kind of bench or banquette. It wasn't a bad seat, it was comfortable enough, but it set us apart from the older three and our parents, who had chairs. (laughs) One each, individual chairs of their own, chairs that could be moved independently, shifted or shunted closer to or further back from the table for comfort. We three babes had no such independence on our shared bench that was attached to the wall. But at least we were still at the table. You know, some years at Christmas we'd have visitors, and our family of eight would suddenly swell. Swell to a number that was too big for our big family table. And so Mammy Bliss would instruct us to get out the small table. <laughs> the small table was a clever little table that, whose top folded neatly down in two leaves and... Till it almost took up no space at all and which spent most of its time tucked away out of sight behind an armchair in the living room. Mostly, it was pulled out in the evenings and put up in the middle of the living room floor. Its leaves unfolded so it could hold you know, a pot of tea, a jug of milk, sugar, maybe some biscuits or a few slices of brown bread and some cheese. Help yourself. Shut up, I'm trying to listen to the news. Not on a school like night, you're not. Is there anything left in that pot? What's Anne Doyle done to her hair? <laughs> <laughs> but at Christmas... Christmas with visitors it would be conscripted into service to bolster the seating capacity for the turkey dinner but because of its round shape and small height it wasn't pushed up against the big rectangular table but would sit separately to one side with its own little tablecloth and it looked adorable so adorable that we babes were delighted to sit at it on little stools and look at us with our own little table look and our own salt and pepper (laughs) (laughs) but the excitement didn't last Because once the soup was out and the crackers were pulled, and the chat and the banter and the passing of condiments, our table started to feel far away, isolated, adrift from the big table where all the noise and the action was. And the longer the meal went on, well, the more cut off we felt. If we said something, we were ignored. Nobody heard us above the din. They didn't even see us. We're down here, two feet below their eye line, at our own little table. We couldn't really see them either. Well, we saw their legs and the dusty underside of the big table and a bit of dry chewing gum stuck to it that Manny Bliss would have had a conniption about if she knew. (laughs) (laughs) We had thought our own little table made us seem grown up, but it actually did the opposite. It excluded us, made us smaller invisible, and ignored. If you're not at the table, you're not part of the conversation. You don't get heard. And if you're not heard, decisions get made without you. Sometimes decisions get made in your best interest, but no one has ever asked you what's in your best interest. They just presumed to know. Society has a big table, a big table where decisions get made. And that big table, well, it's in the doll, it's in universities, it's in boardrooms and ministerial offices. The big table is crowded round in television studios and radio stations and jostled at in corporate headquarters and golf clubs and houses with gravel driveways. Everybody wants to be at the big table, and it can be a bit of a bun fight to grab a place at it. Some people are lucky though, a place at the table was reserved for them, held for them by their parents or their school or their address or even their bank balance. Others fight their way to get to the table and manage to squeeze into a place or persuade some of the others to shove up a bit. But there are plenty more who never get anywhere near it. They aren't equipped for the pushing and the shoving, or they're tripped up on the way by people who already have a place and are wary of losing it, or they get shunted by their accent or education or disability, shunted onto the small table where they can't be heard, and they're below the eye line of the people at the big table, people who make decisions in their best interest. I have an outsider's place at that big table. To be honest, I'm a bit surprised to have it. There are a few things about me that I had assumed would disqualify me. Well, I mean, look at me. (laughs) I don't really look like top table material. But the criteria for a place at the table can change sometimes. And I was also lucky enough to be equipped with other things that pushed me to the front, the right parents, the right education, the right colour, ironically even, as Rory, the right gender. But not everyone gets a name card. And that matters. It matters who's at the table. It matters who gets to make the decisions. It matters whose voices are heard. We can't make the best decisions without all the perspectives. And the people at the small table, out of earshot and below your eyeline, they have a perspective. And from where they're sitting, they can see the chewing gum.